Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, hey, good morning, Liverpool One Church. You can go ahead and take your seats real quick. It is so great to have every single one of you that is joining us in church today. And also for everyone that's joining us online, you are just as much part of the family. We love you. We're glad that you are there in your pyjamas and really we're all jealous. But we're in a series right now called The Same God. And we've been talking over recent weeks about how that Scripture in Hebrews that teaches us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever is not one of those kind of nice Scriptures that we all kind of learn but don't know how to apply it to our lives, but rather within that truth, there is so much significance that can pay so much dividends for the outworking of our Christian faith. If we would just understand that we're serving the same God today that did miracles thousands of years ago, which means He still does them today. And I just wanna start off by saying that I don't know how you've come to be in church today. I don't know whether maybe you've been dragged to church thinking maybe this is, this is your last time in church, right? You've gone through some stuff and life hasn't treated you well and you've arrived at a place maybe online too where you're like, I'm quit, like I'm out, I'm, I'm done, I'm through with trusting in God. Well, my prayer for you all week has been that if you find yourself at a season of life of feeling like life is just a bit abrasive right now, you've got some challenges relationally, some stuff going on. I've been praying all week that we would all leave just encouraged and inspired and infused to not give up on God. Because I don't know about you, but history teaches us that it was the Wright brothers who were the first people to put a plane to flight. And yet, they were not the first people to build a plane. They were just the first people that didn't quit. And I think following Jesus needs to employ a mentality like that sometimes. Sometimes you've just got to agree not to quit. Sometimes you've just got to agree not to stop. Sometimes you've just got to agree to stay in the marriage, to stay in the business, to stay in the career, to stay in relationship with your son, your daughter, your friendship group, whoever. Sometimes you've just got to choose to not quit. And I don't think that that's at all likely or possible that I'm gonna be able to convince you of that without God's Word truly coming to life this morning. So can we all just pray for a quick minute? Father, I pray and ask that as we continue in our current series, that Heavenly Father, that by the power of your Holy Spirit today, who knows of every single one of our sets of circumstances that we're coming into church with, you know of the intricacies of our life. You know of the inner circuitry of our wiring. You know what's going on. You know what's working. You know what's broken. Father, I pray that by the end of church today that we would all leave feeling and sensing like we've just heard from you. Father, that we've been given the encouragement that we need to maybe not quit, not walk away, not decide to travel another route. Let us feel and let us hear from you today. And everybody at Liverpool One Church said, Amen. Okay, so 
I want to start off just by sharing a, um, a small indiscrepancy that happened to me recently. We were out at a restaurant with some of our very best friends in all of the world. And I'm going to be honest and say that sushi is a bit of a, an acquired taste. And it's a new taste for us. But Emma and I, we really like it. We're really kind of into it. Now, I know some of you, the idea of like raw fish and all of that sort of stuff like freaks you out and you're like, oh, no way. Like, I want steak. Like, I totally get it. And there was one point in our lives where we were just the same. But, but sushi's a new thing. So now, whenever we go out, we like to go to a really cool sushi restaurant. Now, we're sat at this table and we're ordering some like starters and some appetizers. And our friend said, hey, I'll tell you what we're going to get. We're going to get these like Adame beans. And I don't know exactly if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But just so that you know exactly what I'm talking about, they, they kind of, they look like a runner bean or maybe um, a snap, a sugar snap. And they're like a green pod and contained within it are like these beans. And I'd never had these before at a Japanese kind of restaurant. So this sounded like fun. So the waitress brings this like dish out and it's just like a huge pile of like these Adamame beans. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take one out of the bowl and you, you put it in your mouth and then you clench your front teeth and you kind of pull the skin of the bean through your teeth and then it deposits the bean into your mouth, several of them in fact. And um, it's kind of, it's pretty cool. So we're all sort of sat around and I watch everybody else because I hadn't done this before. You know, it's the kind of thing that you feel confident to do in your own house. You know, it looks a bit weird. You put in something in your mouth and then you're pulling it out. So we're just kind of talking and we had some drinks that were brought over to us and we're feeling like, man, this is a really cool place. But you know, in those moments where you've got like one eye on what everybody else was doing and how they were doing it so that you don't end up looking like the stupid guy. Well, well, that was me. So I'm like watching everybody else and they're kind of, they're picking up these things and they're pulling them through the teeth and then you kind of throw the skin away and that's the kind of deal. So I kind of grab one of these Adamame bean things and I put it in my mouth and I kind of pull it through my teeth and I'm expecting it to deposit like beans or peas or something in my mouth and, and there was absolutely nothing in it, which at first was no concern to me at all because I was just thinking like, maybe I got the dud one of the bowl. Like maybe I got the one that just happened to have nothing within it. Maybe I got the one that just shouldn't have been in the bowl. So I picked up another one and kind of like put it in my mouth and then pulled it through my teeth. And yet again, the second one also had no beans in it. And I was thinking, this is the strangest thing because everybody else is like pulling it through their teeth and they're eating on on the bean and it just seems strange to me. So I'm now on my third one and I pick it up and I pull it through three times on the bounce. There is like no bean in the pod thing. And I'm just feeling like, what is going wrong? So I just say, I'm like, hmm, anybody else getting like no beans in their pod? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? Well, it transpires, right, that there are two bowls on the table. There is one bowl where all the beans are that are fresh and ready to be pulled through your teeth. And there is another bowl where you deposit the skins of that bean that everybody around the table throws their empties into. I had been dipping into the wrong bowl and pulling through my mouth everybody else's Adamame beans that had been in all of their mouths. I mean, like, and in COVID as well, I'm like thinking, man, my life is horrible right now. I, I want to walk out. I feel so ridiculously stupid. This was supposed to be the perfect night, right? And now it's going horribly wrong. 
You know what's funny though, is that we all encounter times and seasons in our lives too, where we can feel that the circumstances of our lives are going horribly wrong. You encounter this and I encounter this too. Sometimes it's for very different reasons. Professionally at times, it can feel to you like things just aren't going as you'd have hoped. And as far as you're concerned, there's no way forward and there's no way out. It can feel like there just aren't any good options on the table. Sometimes it can feel like life is going horribly wrong when it comes to the relationship that you have as parents with your children. And it doesn't matter what you say to him, what you say to her, he's not gonna listen to you. He doesn't want your voice to be in their world. They're just dismissive of you. And it just feels like the dynamic of your relational life with your family at home is going horribly wrong. We encounter the same thing in our careers sometimes. You don't make the pay grade that you'd hoped and it feels to you like you're stuck. There's no way forward, there's no way back, there's no way out. It can feel like there aren't any other opportunities, there aren't any other options available to you. It's just going horribly wrong. Educationally, it can go horribly wrong and some of you, you know what this pain is like. Things can go educationally wrong when you don't get into medical school or you don't make the grades to study law and now you've got to like redirect the entire path of your life and things just go away and a route that you never saw coming. And the problem when life goes horribly wrong, if you're anything like me, is you'll find that when things start to go horribly wrong, you'll start to get angry. I mean, like, you'll get angry with God. I mean, why is he not answering your prayers? Why isn't he listening to you? You get angry because your perception of God is now, well, clearly he doesn't care. Clearly he doesn't know what I'm dealing with in my life. Or you start to take it out on everybody that's near and dear to you. Now you get angry with your family and it's nothing at all to do with your wife, but she gets the brunt of your anger. It's nothing at all to do with your husband, but now because you're angry, because you can't change it, you can't go left, you can't go right, you start to become angry with just everything and everyone and it just makes it worse. And you know it's making it worse, but can you stop? Of course you can't because we're all the same and we all struggle with this. And now on top of the anger and the frustration that you're feeling because you can't get to where you wanna be in life, well, what you do is the same as what I do. You then jump on Instagram and start comparing your season of life that feels like you're stuck and this is the worst, most horrible time that you've ever experienced and you compare your life to everybody else. Why do they get the job? Why are they as parents so wonderfully able to parent their children? And here I am like with devil kids, like what is going on? It doesn't make sense. This is just hard. Everybody else has got a better sex life. Everybody else is doing the holiday. Everybody else is getting up the career ladder and it just frustrates you. And we all know that social media, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff doesn't help us in these times and seasons, but we kind of get addicted to it. Not medically, but we kind of, we, we like the rush and the buzz and sometimes we go on there hoping maybe there's someone else's life that sucks just as much as mine does right now. And last week, we spoke about this idea about how the same God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever can help you if you live life dangerously tired. This week, I wanna show you how God, who is the same God yesterday, today, and forever, will help you if you ever find yourself in a season that feels like your life is going horribly wrong right now. If you're at a time and a season where it feels to you like you're stuck in the waiting room, 
hoping that something good is going to come. I'm going to hopefully try through Scripture to encourage you to just keep going. Because have you ever noticed, you never ever feel like quitting from anything when it's going good. Like, you never want to quit the sports team when you're the top striker. You never want to quit work when you're the one that's making all the sales. But the moment that things get abrasive, the moment that things get tough, you start to think about, well, maybe the grass is greener. The moment that your relationship starts to hit a rocky patch, you think, well, maybe the grass is greener. We do the same in our faith too. The moment that things start to become difficult and almost like life gets a bit horrible, we start to think, well, maybe life was better before I was even a Christian. Like, does God even know what I'm going through? Does he really answer prayer? And is he really concerned about what I'm dealing with in life? And now you're asking all of these questions, you're honestly saying, well, why should I even bother praying? Why should I even bother trying to live a morally right and pure life? Because nobody else is doing it and it seems to be working out just fine for them. We ask all of these questions. Why should I even bother trying to be honest and upright in my business dealings and pay my taxes and pay my staff? Why should I be honest and integral in my relationship? Nobody else is and it seems to be working for everybody else. And we just start to ask all of these questions. And what's different is that have you ever noticed how when maybe you've got a friend who asks you for advice about what they should do when they feel like their life is going horribly wrong? Have you ever noticed how you can say to them really confidently, well, you just need to trust in God, like God will come through. And yet when it's you that's in a season of life feeling like it's all going horribly wrong, you're the first person to say, well, God doesn't care. Clearly he doesn't know what's going on. Like it's easy to give the advice to other people and yet so incredibly challenging and complex for us to implement our own advice to ourselves. We just start to wonder where God is, like where are you God? which is kind of ironic to me because when your life is broken and it feels like it's all going horribly wrong, have you ever noticed how you start to ask that question, where are you, God? And yet there are seasons in your life when you're planning a real good sin. Like you've got like, you've got scheming ideas in your mind. And guess what you're not asking? You're not running around going, where are you, God? Where are you, Lord? You're like, you don't want God to know about what you're planning for the weekend. You don't want God to know about anything that you, what you're gonna be up to on the night, in the nighttime. You don't want that, which is kind of just ironic. But the crazy thing is that when you explore Scripture, when you start to explore what God's Word says about people who have dealt with really similar circumstances to this, what we find is really we're all just the same. And today we're going to start by looking up a passage of Scripture in the New Testament that actually is perhaps one of the most poorly quoted Scriptures ever. And I think that if you've been in church for a small amount of time, you've probably become aware of this passage of Scripture. In fact, you don't even need to be a church person for you to be aware of this Scripture because chances are if you've ever watched a sports game, especially in like boxing or any of the American sports, like loads of sports people have this particular passage of Scripture. They have it like sewn into their shorts and their, their, their uniform, their robes. And as they're walking out to the boxing fight, they have it tattooed on them. And it's kind of like the most misrepresented Scripture scripture of all time. And we're going to jump in there because what we find in the New Testament and in the Old 
As we've spoken about so far, as we've briefly explored the life of Jacob, Moses, Job, and others, what you find in the New Testament is there are people who went through times and seasons that felt like their life is broken. They felt like there's maybe just no hope anymore. They felt like their life was going horribly wrong. And yet somehow, some way, God seemed to come through for them. And the premise of this talk today is that if he came through for them, then we believe he can come through for you as well. So we're gonna be looking and exploring at a guy whose name is Paul. He's referred to as the Apostle Paul. And he was somebody that I guess would encourage us and say that even in the midst of the most fiercest adversity that you could experience, it is possible for you to find contentment. Now, the funny thing about Paul is to even hear that said about his life when you consider the context of his life and how things started out for him, you would probably almost laugh when you see how things got started. Because Paul ended up writing most of the New Testament, but he started out as the most fierce Jesus hater going. Like Paul was in charge of arresting people just like you that would wanna come to church and would want to explore more about who Jesus was. So if you've ever known anybody that's a Christian and you've thought secretly, like I would love it if they would just get locked up, you would get on really well with the Apostle Paul because he wasn't just thinking it and scheming it, he was out there doing it. In fact, He felt so passionately about wanting to arrest Christians, he got the local governor to give him a written authority that would say that he is now entrusted by Rome to go and arrest all of the Christians. They would be beaten. He was even part of a murder. I mean, like, this is such a crazy starting point for the Apostle Paul. But one day, it was like God miraculously changed his life And in the same way that he can change Paul's life, he can change your life too. And he changed his life and now Paul transitioned from being the world's most fiercest Jesus hater to being the biggest advocate of the story of Jesus Christ. And he traveled the entire Mediterranean rim and all he had was one simple message. It was that there is a God in heaven who is real and he loves humanity so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to put on flesh, walk amongst us, who was once arrested and crucified, but brought back to life so that ordinary and regular people, just like me and just like you, who thought that maybe you would never have a chance or an opportunity to know who the real God of heaven is. He was like, Jesus made a way for that to be possible. That was the transition of Paul's life that he made. But it came at a cost. Because even though we're introduced to Paul as the Jesus hater who was arresting Christians, there was a huge season of his life where he found himself imprisoned because he was now the biggest advocate of Christianity. I mean, what actually happened was he ended up spending, after about 10 years, he ended up being arrested by Nero, who was the emperor at the time. And he had given a commendation that Paul would to be placed under house arrest in Rome. In other words, they didn't want Paul's influence to grow. 
They didn't want his ability to plant churches and encourage people to follow Christ to continue anymore. So Paul ends up being placed under house arrest. He's imprisoned in a home that wasn't even his own. And yet what's crazy is we now read much of Paul's writings that even if you're not a Jesus person, even if you're not a Christian, we could all agree on this, that even like globally, his writings are some of the most widely read pieces of literature that have ever been created. And yet what's fascinating is that those pieces of literature were all created in this time, in this season, where Paul was kept under house arrest in Rome. So Nero has arrested him. He's being kept in a prison. And to him, it must have felt like there's nothing that he could do. To him, it must have felt like all of his church planting, encouraging people to follow Jesus' plans were now all coming to rack and ruin. Why? Because there was nothing he could do. He couldn't go forward. He couldn't go back. He couldn't change the set of circumstances. He was locked up. He was in prison. He didn't have control of his life anymore. And I think there must have been a part of Paul that thought at times like, there's just nothing that I can do about this. No good can come out of this. Have you ever felt like your life is in a season like that? Where you feel like life is going so horribly wrong that you mistakenly start to believe that no good can ever come from this. I think that maybe there were hours, maybe even days where Paul considered the same thing too. Because what's interesting is those same writings that we've just referenced, these incredible pieces of literature, when the Gutenberg Press was first started to be mass produced in 1450, do you know the first book that was ever widely and globally produced and then sent around to every other different region and nation? It was the Bible. And do you know what was contained within this Bible, this compilation of these ancient manuscripts? Paul's writings that he wrote when he was in prison in Rome during that time where he felt that maybe no good could ever come from this. I mean, if you've ever maybe been to a wedding, so again, even if church isn't ordinarily what you do, man, we're so glad that you're here today. We're building a church for people just like you who maybe are a little bit apprehensive about church, about Christianity. We want you to feel like this can be home for you. But chances are, if you've ever been to a wedding, you might have heard quoted, because it's often quoted, a certain passage from the book of Ephesians that says, um, husbands, love your wives. And all the wives are like, amen to that. And they like to quote it to their husband all of the time. Chances are you've heard of that. Well, if you've heard of that passage of scripture, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Well, it's taken out of the book of Ephesians that was written whilst Paul was imprisoned in a house in Rome during a time and a season where his world was going horribly wrong. And he must have thought, nothing good can ever come from this. And at the time of Paul writing, he had no idea 
idea that God was up to anything. He had no idea because he couldn't see it, he couldn't feel it, that God was working behind the scenes of his life. And whilst he was locked away, able to do pretty much nothing other than write these letters to try and encourage other Christian people, trying to encourage other church following people, he had no idea of what God was up to. He wrote one copy of that letter that ended up being the most widely distributed piece of literature we have in history. I mean, incredible. And it came out of a season and a time where his life must have felt like he was going, it was going horribly wrong for him. And you see, sometimes you have no idea about what hangs in the balance during those times and seasons when you feel like quitting the most, where if you would just remain faithful to God, watch what God will do in you and through you. You might not have any idea or even any visibility of what God is up to behind the scenes of your life. But the key to seeing what God is up to behind the scenes of your life is not quitting on God on the platform of your life. So when it feels to you like life is going horribly wrong, I wanna encourage you that maybe God is actually busy working behind the scenes of your life. So we're gonna go to Philippians 4 verse 10. This is the Apostle Paul writing and he starts off by saying this, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. He's writing to a group of people who are attending a church in Philippi. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. So he's kind of like premising this entire piece of tech by saying, look, I know that you care deeply for me. And we know, because history tells us this, that um, Paul was a recipient of like an aid bag, like a, maybe he got a hamper, we don't know exactly. Maybe it was like a surprise gift. But they had sent him something whilst he was in prison in Rome. And we don't know what he got, like maybe it was a new pair of sandals, maybe it was a USB pen, maybe it was a cloak. Like we have no clue what Paul was a recipient of, but he was just acknowledging the gift that had been sent to them. And he was kind of like, hey guys, look, I want you to know that thank, I'm thankful, I'm grateful that you were concerned for me. Verse 11. But now he says, not that I was ever in need. In other words, he was saying, even though my life was going horribly wrong, even though I'm in prison, even though there's nothing that I can do, I can't go forwards, I can't go backwards, I want you to know that I was blessed by the gift that I received, but it wasn't because I was so stressed out. It wasn't because I was like ridiculously anxious about the circumstances that I found my life in. I'm grateful, but please don't think that I'm in a worse state than I actually am. Four, next verse, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Paul was saying, look, my life is pretty rubbish right now. Maybe you've experienced that. He was saying, look, my life feels like it's going horribly wrong right now. Some of us know what that's like so intimately. But Paul was telling us that in that season, he has learnt how to become content. Content means how to be internally self-sufficient. You know what it is to be content? It means that the circumstances of your life on the outside can all be going crazy, and yet you feel held and at perfect peace 
on the inside. I don't know about you, but I want to follow Jesus living life like that. I can't control so many things in life. Neither do I want the pressure of trying to control things that I in fact can't. But to be able to go through those things and feel content on the inside of my life, held together, man, I wanna learn how to feel content. Now, here's the thing for me. I don't even wanna know how to learn how to be happy. I wanna learn how to be content. And I think that we're all the same in this. Paul was saying there is a way of doing life that even when life's going horribly wrong, you don't have to live in such a way that's like you panicking and striving and yearning and thriving for everything. There is a way of following Jesus that can make you feel like you are at perfect peace on the inside when life around you is crazy on the outside. And Paul is kind of saying this, he's saying, look, whether you learn it or not, that's up to you, that's on you. Whether you learn it or not, there is still a way that we as followers of Jesus can find contentment. Because the truth is, when we are in a waiting room season of our life, when we're praying and hoping that God might come through to something, Maybe God's up to something. God might rescue you from whatever you're facing in work or maybe you've been given the health report. Like when you're in a waiting room season of your life, that is in fact what we all need the most. Contentment, internally self-sufficient, stable, balanced, level, not being tossed around by the aggressive winds and waves of life that it throws against us. Verse 12, the key verse that we're coming up to. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or a little. And he was saying, look, I'm not letting you know this because I'm in need of anything from you. I'm just letting you know that this is how it is for me. And when you consider Paul's life not just being held under house arrest, he was the guy that was snake bitten, beaten with rocks. He was the guy that's been shipwrecked. Like, you know, he's ended up on an island with no food. He's had a really incredibly difficult life. And he's saying like, this is what I've experienced. So my question is, how did you do it, Paul? Like, how did you learn this? What is it that you know that we now know? And now we jump into the key verse that means so much to every single one of us if we follow Christ, because this is the key verse that will let you experience the reality of what it's really like to feel like your world is going horribly wrong right now and yet feel content on the inside, in and amongst the storms and the craziness of life. Paul lets us in on the secret, the key ingredient that without which it will feel like when our life is going horribly wrong, we'll feel alone, like we've been abandoned, like nothing good can ever come out of it. But Paul gives us the key. He gives us the secret. And he says this, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Other translations, they say, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens my life. Now, 
Remember, we just referenced before about how it's perhaps the most commonly misquoted, misrepresented, misused piece of scripture ever because Evander Holyfield wore it on his robe and his shorts when he fought Mike Tyson for the World Heavyweight Championship for the heavyweight title. And you kind of think, oh, so I get it. Like we see our sports people wearing it, you know, if, especially in America, it's, it's crazy for it. But everybody likes to quote this scripture almost like... Um, if you understand that Christ can strengthen your life, then you can win the league, then you can get the trophy, then you can win, then you can get the girl, then you can get the career, then you can get the car because Christ is the one that strengthens me and I can do everything, I can do all things. But it's not what the verse is about. It's not the context of what Paul was trying to say and trying to convey. The verse was never about experiencing the gold medal moments. It it was never about achieving the mountaintop moments. It was all about finding a way in Christ to be sustained when you're broken and when your world feels like it's going horribly wrong. It was the sustaining nourishment to Paul's soul that fed him during the times of barrenness and wilderness, not the mountaintop going for gold moment. This was being a based in the valley kind of moments. And Paul was saying, this is what I've learned. Paul Paul was saying it like this, I've learned that it's Christ's strength that has enabled me to get through being under house arrest with no options, no going forward, no going back, nothing good can come from this. How did you get through it, Paul? Well, Christ gave me the strength daily. It was Paul that was saying, look, you know, when I was shipwrecked, when I've been without food, when I've been without friendship, when I've been without warmth, when I've been without shelter, it was Christ's strength that got me through, that carried me through. It wasn't about going in for a boxing match. It wasn't about going for an interview for the new job and I could do all things through Christ. It was about, no, no, when you feel like there's no place else you can go, when you've arrived at the end of yourself, like you don't know what to do in the home anymore. You don't know what to do in your marriage anymore. You don't know how to make things work financially anymore. You don't know how things are gonna work out educationally anymore. Paul was going, yeah, but, but here's the thing, there is a secret that I have learnt that I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. And here's my disclaimer. I know that sounds a bit kind of weird, wacky and wonderful, because how does that work, right? It's kind of mysterious, maybe even a bit supernatural, a little bit overtly spiritual. And I think Paul, if he was stood here today, he would kind of go like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to evidentially prove to you that this works, but this is what I've experienced. And he was saying, look, it's a bit mystical. I get it. I know some of you are skeptical. He was too. I know that for you, many people, this doesn't really add up. Paul was like, I get it too. It is a bit mystical. It is something that can make you skeptical. It is a little bit supernatural. It is a little bit spiritual. But Paul was saying, my experience has been, as I've been abased and struggled with the challenges that I've been through in life, what I've found is that it's Christ's strength that gets me through. It's not about a trophy. This verse is about surviving. This verse is about just getting through. This verse is about not quitting 
when you feel like quitting the most. So if it was the Wright brothers that put the first plane to flight, yet they were not the first people to try and build a plane, they were just the first group of people that didn't quit first. I wonder whether the same principle could be true for us as a church as well. Maybe there are things that God has in your future that you just don't know that He's working on right now. Maybe He's working behind the scenes of your life. And rather than moaning and groaning and complaining and quitting church and moving to yet another church, you're now on your 10th, moving life group, moving friendship circles, maybe the best thing we can do in those times and seasons is just say, okay, I don't understand it. I don't know how this works, but I want your power, the power of Jesus Christ to strengthen me. Church, can we stand to our feet? We're gonna pray. And then we're gonna sing a little more. We can just um, close our eyes and bow our heads, every single one of us. And even if you're watching in online, you can be just as much a part of this moment with us too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that we are most likely to struggle in our faith and struggle in our pursuit of you, Jesus, in the times and seasons that, that just feel like life is incredibly difficult and incredibly tough. So God, for every person that's in church today, and they've reached that point of feeling like they wanna quit, they're out, they wanna walk away from this, they wanna walk away from you. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that what would be known to each and every one of us would be the same truth that Paul knew too. And we don't get it, and we don't understand it but that we can do all things. We can stay in the business. We can stay in the career. We can stay in being a parent. We can stay in the marriage. We can stay in the financial stress. We can stay in whatever it is we're going through. We can stay in it because, because it is You that strengthens us. It is You that gives us the divine innate ability to go one other day and not quit and not choose to walk away. So let us know, feel, sense and experience what it's really like to be able to do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. But with every head still bowed and every eye still closed, one short, real quick prayer right now. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, you've never made a choice to become a Christian, you've never invited Him to become the Lord of your life, but today in church, you wanna make that step whilst every eye's closed and every head's bowed and no one's looking around or concerned with the thought process that's running through your mind right now. If you wanna make that step, from darkness into life, from death into life, into a real and authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, then pray this prayer in your heart after me right now. Father, I come to You today because I'm placing my faith and trust in You. 
I believe that you're real. And I believe you gave your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for me so that I can know you. So live in my heart, I pray. And forgive me of all the things that I've done wrong that have stopped me from knowing you. As from this point forth, I call myself a Christian and I'm asking you to live in my heart. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.